Well, I will tell you, I have um, the privilege <laughs> of introducing someone tonight who's very dear to me um, and a very dear member of this body, Randy Don Giovanni. And I'll tell you, this man's on fire. I always like it when he's around. Um, but I'll tell you, Randy Don and his uh, wife just bless the body of Christ in very, very powerful ways. Um, and Randy, if you don't mind a second, I want to talk about that lovely wife of yours who goes in and out of the children's hospital day after day, just supporting dear families who desperately need someone to intercede on their behalf and to come in authority on their behalf. And it's just a beautiful ministry that the two of you guys have together and separate together. So thank you, Randy, for joining us tonight. We're excited to have you. Thank you, Jesus. It's amazing. I get the privilege to preach all over the country, and I preach more about my wife sometimes and Jesus than I do anything else. Um, the theme is the love of a father. And Pastor Bernie called me and said, man, can you give me a little pinch hit? And I said, I got it. Um, I've been traveling around and building youth ministries all over the, all over the country now. In fact, um, in the state of Michigan, um, God's allowed us to build about seven in the last year and a half of youth ministry, two years. But we're there about six months. We build a youth ministry. We pass it off, find him a youth pastor, and then we move on. And I travel every Thursday and Friday now to Chicago. They haven't had a youth pastor in six years, and they asked me to come and build a youth ministry for them. So I said, oh, yeah, okay. And then last week they introduced me to the inner city pastor named Pastor Jesse that's in the south side of Chicago. Anybody know anything about the south side of Chicago? It's not the greatest place to be after a certain period of time. And there's so much gang and, and spiritual warfare that God has called us at such a time as this. And we're going to be building a big outreach starting in April. And um, they've asked me to come and preach and, and just pour into the ministry with them. And I'm just excited what God's doing. How many know we have the love of a father? First of all, we have the love of the created father. Father God to create all things. I love what Andrew Walmack said a couple weeks ago. How many were here? Pastor, and he said that God rested after the seventh, sixth, seventh day, sixth day. He, he sat back and he rested. And the reason why he rested, I used to always think, is I can't work on Sundays. I can't cut the grass. People across the street are Christian reform. I'm not saying nothing bad. I'm just saying they would stare at me. I finally get a Sunday off or something. You know, I'm not traveling. I'm like, I'm looking. I'm like, I'm putting it away. And um, I used to always think it was that, but I love what he said about it was complete. The love of the Father is complete. There is nothing else that God can do or will do. He's already done. Come on now, church. I'm just saying. And I love when he was preaching with that because something inside me, Skip, that just energized my spirit. It just launched me to another place that said, nothing but the blood of Jesus. We have the kind of Father that created all things, have done all things, but he also, in all of this creation, decided for you and me to sacrifice the very person of his son so that the blood would be shed for you and I to be able to go anywhere, do anything, and proclaim the love of Jesus Christ. Come on, friends, that's something to be excited about. And I love the love of the Father because the love of the Father in our culture today, it says from the very beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And we heard that a couple of days. And he rested the seventh day. It also says as we were, as, as he was 
concentrated on creation of hope for the lost and dying world, henceforth, here comes the Son of God. The love of a father is sending a son to rescue all humanity. It's amazing to me of how, how that we do not hear this in culture today because culture today, we have a fatherless, fatherless generation. We have a couple of fatherless generations. And not only in our city, but I mean in a lot of our homes. The father's not there. And somehow this heavenly father steps in where the ownership of a biological father is not there. It's not natural. God says, I will become the father to you. And I will raise you. And over the years that I've seen in youth ministry and I've been in the church, you know, all these years of serving, 37 years of doing what God's called me to do, I see that the Father's at work in families that there is no Father. And how God Almighty has allowed the Holy Spirit to step up and to take over. And I see the stories of so many trophies that God has through young people that had nothing that all of a sudden today are so successful because of the blood of the Lamb. Come on, somebody. Nice courtesy clap. I like that. See, some of the topics we talk about that are not positive with a fatherless generation. I had a dream the other night. I, I don't, it wasn't really a nightmare because I woke up crying for the fact of God's grace. How many have ever had a dream? And when you woke up, you just wept because you knew it was the power of the Holy Spirit. We see in our culture today, they're burning stuff down. Everybody in culture is going crazy. And to be honest with you, somehow there's a lacking father figure in those homes. Now, I don't know about what you think. You can judge your own way, but I'm seeing it. I'm seeing there must not have been a father that said, you shall, don't do that. You don't burn, you don't hurt somebody else, you don't do that, you don't riot. I see spoiled brat young people that have a lot of ownership and a lot of money that are going to cities because you know why? Probably the, the neglect. Come on, somebody. The neglect of a father. And that's why you have all these people that are young people with every life should matter, which other lives are mattering, which we're not getting into, get into that cultural subject. But in this dream, God showed me something. See, they're burning down all these things, knocking down all this stuff. And we can have all these laws that say don't touch or you're going to go to jail for 10 years. But I saw the churches. And I saw a wall of fire around churches, 11 to 12 foot high, like a round circle around the church. And I was seeing these things, and there were people that were in awe because the, ch the church was not being consumed by the fire. But I heard God say that through the fire, he said, you will not touch my son. Now, I don't know how many of you have been watching. They've been trying to take, they're saying we're going to tear down all the Jesus stuff, all the things in culture that has to do with God. Come on, somebody. But the love of the Father spoke to me through this dream as I saw these rings of fire around many churches, whether it's a synagogue, a mosque, whatever it was. And God, this Holy Spirit fire, and it said, you will not destroy the Son. That's a loving Father. And I thought, God, let me be a part of that fire, a part of that movement in this generation that's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The kind of fire that when you see somebody sitting next to you that has bandages on in a restaurant and you don't even take time to pray with them, where's the love of the Father that's shown to the fatherless? I was in a restaurant a couple weeks ago before this whole thing broke down, but let's say a couple months ago. <laughs> I was in a place called Pepper Mill. Anybody here at Pepper Mill? And it was out on uh, Lake Michigan Drive, and I'm in there, and I'm mentoring this young youth pastor from Grand Haven. We met there every single week on Monday. And I'm sitting with Bruce, and we're talking. And I went to go to the restaurant, restroom, and I see that there's a gentleman with a patch on his eye, and his whole left arm is all got uh, bandage, God's bandage. And I'm, like, looking at him and his wife, and I go by, and I just walk by, and God says, what, you're not going to stop and pray? 
And I said, well, I'm going to go first. Like, I'm negotiating with God. How many have ever done that? I'm like, can I go first, and then I will wash my hands, but I'll come back. And he says, you're going to come back, and you're going to sit next to them, and you're going to pray for them. This is before the pandemic, because everybody else now would freak out, like, don't touch me. What names? So I go to the restroom, I come back, and I'm sitting there, and I look at this woman, and I said, hey, do you mind if I take a couple minutes just to pray with you, to be able to tell you that God loves you? I don't know what you've been through. I don't need to know. But God spoke to me and said, pray for you. I began to pray, and as I prayed, I prayed for a miracle and healing. I went over to my table. I'm sitting there talking to the mentee. I'm pouring out my heart to this young man, talking about the things of God. And all of a sudden, the waitress comes over, and she says, listen, um, your bill's been paid. And I said, what do you mean my bill's been paying? She said, yeah, we picked the bill up, and this couple right now that are leaving decided to pay for your bill because they have not seen Jesus in action. They've not seen somebody even pray for them. And I'm thinking, God help us. We live in the Grand Rapids area where we have more churches than Carter has pills. But, you know, come on, church. And yet we can't show the love of a father. I think it's time we rise up. And I know I'm speaking to the choir, and you're here on Wednesday night, and it's good to see all of you. I want to give you a couple of scriptures of this, the love of a father. Let's look at Psalms 103, verse 13. 103, 13. It said, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender, compassionate to those who fear him. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in an all-Italian family. I don't even know how I can not say that. Like, how can I say not all Italian? But I guess the mother wouldn't be, and then you could be a half Italian. But I grew up in all Italian where things would happen. When we were kids, it was this. How many of you remember those days? Yeah, no wonder I got brain damage. I'm just telling you straight up, getting hit all the time. But I remember, I remember my father would say things, and we would never get out of line with that because I feared my father. Now, I got to a place where I could have taken my father out. I was 14 years old, 15. I was starting to lift weights. I got mad at my dad one day, and he says, I know that you think you can take me. But if you don't respect my position, then you're never going to know anything in life about the position. Listen, come on, friend. Listen, come on. I'm just talking to you tonight. We have negated the position of the father. I mean, even our own lives with God Almighty, he's the creator, and yet we're still worried about where our next piece of bread comes from. Do we not have a father that's tender and compassionate and sees you? We have that type of father. The father that loves us, that wants to give to us. But the thing is, are we wanting to give him us? And I learned that. I thought, Dad, you're right. Your dad, I know that I'm mad at you. I know that I want to hurt you. How many have ever said that? Yeah, lying. At that period of time, I didn't think my dad was tender. I didn't think he was compassionate. I didn't have fear for him. But I respected his position. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 says this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. And do not resist, resi- resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and as a father, the son he delights in. Man, that's good stuff. I love this one, the power of the father. The power of the father. Let's look at Luke chapter 15, verse 20. If you have your Bibles, if not, I think it's up on the screen, Luke 15. This is a wonderful depiction of the father's love. This is, of course, the story of the prodigal. Verse 20 says this, but when he was still a way off, long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. 
And his son said to, the fa- to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick. Now notice the word quick. I love this here because it has an exclamation point. When I see an exclamation point, I always think it's like get busy. Like quick, come on, let's go, let's go. How many know what I'm talking about? There's an intent here. There's a passion. There's an action here. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring the ring, uh, put a ring on his finger and the sandals on his feet. Bring a fatted calf and kill it. And let us have a festival and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. Oh my gosh, I'm thinking, God, you talk about the, 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 the heart of the father, the love of the father. The Bible says when he was a long way off, come on, how many of you are parents? How many of you, listen, you don't have to even be in the same room. How many of you can smell your children? I'm serious. How many of you, how many of you can know your children? You might be like, all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> When I was a kid, when I was growing up below Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, our hill, we, man, how many have ever been to Pennsylvania? We don't just have little tiny, we have hills, okay? And I was on the top of this hill, and I was in an all-Italian Jewish neighborhood. And my dad was the kind of father that, my father, he would say to us, I'm going to whistle. When I whistle once, you better, you better pay attention. The second time I whistle, you have five minutes. But don't make me whistle twice. How many grew up in that? Listen, man, we're in a whole different generation. Unless you're over 50 years old, you ain't going to understand what I'm saying. Some of y'all are going to be like, my dad doesn't even have teeth. But my dad would just be like, I mean, it would get loud. And I was in the other neighborhood, and I'm playing basketball. And I'm telling you, it was almost like that. It would just be, I'd hear the whistle. I'd drop the basketball. How many have been there? And I would run like a banshee. I'm just telling you, man, I'd kick it. I'd be like, feet, do your duty, man. I'd be running. You know, I'd be running down there. I didn't care if I tripped, if I fell, if I was going to break my nose. I was getting home, and I was a long way off. But I got there. It was like quick. And from a long distance, my dad, could, my dad said, I could smell you running. I'm thinking, man, who talks like that? I had a good garlic the night before, but you can't smell my breath that far. And he said, I knew that you were coming. I could see you coming. And I just said, man, my son, he's respecting me. My son is loving me because he can, I can see him. He's coming. And this father saw the son from a distance. He didn't hold him hostage to the sin in his life. Come on now. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of people saying, I forgive you. But, see, the problem is, when people are forgiven, when I say I forgive you, and yet I hold you hostage to the things you used to do, that's not forgiveness. That's not the Father. And the Bible says we're supposed to be like Jesus Christ, right? We're supposed to be like the Son of God to influence, to change lives. It said this. It said he was, he was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Come on, somebody. How many people like a good party? Three of you. That's okay. My nephew Danny's back here in the back. I'm, I love him with all my heart. He's, he's like a son to me. He's one of the best things that I've ever had in my life. Danny's helping in the children's church. He's raising two wonderful children. His wife, Angela, does all of the ministry work and the social work and all this other stuff she does. She's an amazing woman. But I'm going to tell you, Danny can contest to this. When our family has a party, we have a party. And when our family brings food, we are not with lack of food. How many know what I'm talking about? It's like they all bring something plus. 
I mean, it's not only a party. It's like, wait a minute. I thought you were supposed to bring the eggs, and you're supposed to bring the potatoes, and you're supposed to bring this, and you're supposed to bring that. Man, you brought like eggs, potatoes, sausage. It's, it's all over. How many have ever been there? How many know what I'm talking about? And it's like an all-out arsenal all day. In fact, in our family, what we say is, after we've eaten, it's like, man, we have leftovers for, for sandwiches later on tonight. It doesn't always happen, but it's always in your conscience. How many know what I'm talking about? But we know how to celebrate. Man, they got the fatted calf. They got things going on. Watch. This is a father. A loving father is one who is always looking. A loving father is one who runs towards you, not away from you. Come on, somebody. This loving father, God Almighty, knew what he was doing. The loving father is the one who holds no grudges. A loving father is one who goes, uh, gets the best for his children. A loving father is one who always feeds. A loving father is one who will celebrate when one comes home. That's why he said, let the 99 go. We're going after the one because the one is important as the 99. Come on, somebody. The love of the father is one who loves unconditionally. He loves beyond my faults. I can get a woot woot with that one. He loves in spite of me and how I treat him. Come on, I want to stay there a second. He loves me in spite of me. <laughs> when I don't love him, when I question him, when I ask him things like, Lord, are you sure that's what you're saying? How many of you don't have to put your hands up? Man, I thought I was talking to a church tonight, but it's okay. I thought I was talking to a Pentecostal church tonight where people are like, mm -hmm. I'm just telling you straight up, we are not always good. We are not always compliant. Mm. We are not always understanding where he's taking us. That's why we question. Come on, somebody. Young people, I want you to hear this, younger ones. Man, let me tell you something. The best examples aren't always across the table. The best examples, the best examples that we have are ones that raise us in this. Because it's not about my opinion anymore. It's what does the word of God say? And you're trying to parent and you're trying to make it. Let me tell you something. Parents, don't give up. Your kids are going to hear it as long as it comes from here. Let me tell you this. You keep threatening them. You keep challenging them. And you keep telling them you're not good. You'll never make it. Let me tell you this, man. In spite of your mistakes, that kid one day is going to find Jesus. And when he finds Jesus, he's going to understand. Well, I have wayward kids. They don't get it. I have wayward kids. They hate me. They probably hate what you do, not you. We are hypocritical. We keep telling them we want to raise them in the faith, yet we let them down all the time. We keep telling them we want to be. I feel like a spiritual father nationally. Everywhere I go, I don't have biological children. That's why I poured into my nephews and nieces. Because God didn't grant us children. But yet somehow he's allowed me and my wife to minister to young people all over the nation. How does that happen? I remember one time Josh McDowell came out one day and said that you'll never make a good youth pastor if you don't have children. Now, I spent time with Josh McDowell in, 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 in uh, Colorado, Breckenridge. I went to his, what he calls, cottage. <laughs> and I went and did a ministry with him because he was getting ready to go to Cuba to deliver Bibles. How many people have ever heard of Josh McDowell? I'm not blowing smoke and trying to throw a name out there. I'm just trying to say this. When I heard that comment on the radio, I called him. 
I called straight directly to his secretary, got him on the line, said, it's Randy Don Giovanni, can you talk to him? He said, yeah, put him on the line. I said, Josh, listen, I just served with you. I was just doing this thing with you with Cuba. How dare you say that if I don't have children, I'm never going to make a good youth pastor. Brother, do you know who I am and do you know what I'm doing? I'm called of God to minister to young people whether I got them or not. I'm going to pour my heart out. Why? Because I'm going to become a spiritual father to the fatherless. No, I'm serious. And sometimes we have, and Josh, I remember him saying, I, for, forgive me, I'm sorry, two days later on the national radio, he didn't use my name. I kind of wish he would have. But he said, listen, man, I got, I got in my prayer closet. I was wrong. I said something. I had a friend literally call me and call me out. And I said, I wasn't calling you out to make you wrong. I was calling you out to say that even if you're not a parent in this room, there are kids that need parents. And they need the love of a father. They need the love of a godly man and woman in their life. And gentlemen, I'm going to say this to your face. Will you quit letting your wives do the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And will you rise up and become the priest of your home and start raising your kids in the love of God? Why is it we always have this said? Well, I got grandchildren now, so I get a second chance. When the people don't even want to bring the kids over to your house. The love of a father. He's going to love me in spite of who I am and what I've done because that's the kind of father that's unconditional love that I have to have. That's the love of a father. The love of a father that takes me through and loves me through my pains. He, he, he loves past my pointed words. He loves past my wounds. A loving father continues to chasten me. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The love of a father. I want to finish with this story and then pray. This is a great inspirational story. And it says this. One day in a house, a father and son were sitting together. While they were sitting by the window... The father had become too old, and the son was still young. Though unlike the father, the son was highly educated. They sat in silence, just when a crow came down and sat on a branch. The two of them could see the crow from where they sat. After remembering something, the father asked the son, what is it? The son, believing that his father could not see properly, he answered, it's a crow. Again, they sat in silence, and the father said again, what is it? The son, at the brink of losing his patience again, said, it's a crow, father. And the father, after a moment, asked again, what is it? This continued for a while. Before long, the son lost his patience. And all it had taken was four times. But the father had repeated the question four times, and the son got irritated. How many have ever been there? Don't you understand? It's a crow. It's a crow. It's a crow. How many times should I repeat it before you understand it? The son finally yelled. Without saying anything, the father rose out of his chair and left the room. The son heard some noises of his, from his father's room. It seemed as if his father was looking for something. And after a while, the father came back holding an old battered diary. He took his place 
Without saying anything, the father flipped through the old yellow pages. What are you looking for, the son asked. He received no reply from his father. Suddenly the father spoke, here. He shows his son an entry. It was an entry of the son. Today I sat with my three-year-old son. Together we sat on the sofa and looked out. He repeatedly asked me about the crow that sat outside. Three, thirty-three times to be exact. It took him 23 times to get that it was a crow. And in the end, he hugged him and brought him back inside. Father, the son said, I'm sorry. I do realize where I went wrong. And since that day, the son made sure to take care of his father. Listen, there's always somebody going to remind you of things that you said and things that you wrote years ago. And just because we start getting older, young people, doesn't mean that we've lost our minds. It means sometimes the love of a father is going to bring you back to a memory that you are the one that launched it. See, a loving father always brings us back to the moment that either things took place and salvation happened or the rescue happened. How many know what I'm talking about? The Father is always going to bring you back to a place of remembrance. Why? Because he's a loving Father. And he loves you so much to tell you the truth. I was, um, I'll finish with this. Tim can kind of make his way up. And the keyboards might be able to come and play a little something so it doesn't get too... Had a young people in person in Reed City. The kind of young person that people would call special needs. He didn't talk with eloquent tongue. In fact, he stuttered. In fact, he talked so thick that it was hard to hear what his words were. He's a junior in high school and we had an outreach up in Reed City to invite people right before COVID hit. It was like in November. They had a basketball game at Reed City High School. We were passing out invitations. Would you come? Would you come, young people, parents, just to come and get to know who we are because we're starting this youth ministry called Forge Youth Ministry at New Beginnings Church right here in Reed City at the end of the parking lot of the high school. Boy, if I was 10 years younger, I'd say to my wife, let's move. Because to be on the campus of a high school is the greatest mission field in the world. This kid says to his friend, when you want to come to the party, his friend was with him for a while, and he says, yeah, I'll come. And he said to another kid, you want to come and party? Hey, you want to come and party? That's how he talked. And one by one, he invited me, invited, invited. And as they came that night to the party for donuts and hot chocolate and cider, who walks into the room, the gymnasium, was this young man's father. (laughs) And he saw all the kids that this one kid invited, almost 27 to 30 kids this one kid invited. 
And there were some people I heard talking with trying to eat donuts. They were going, and they were trying to make fun of him and talk. And all of a sudden, his father stepped through. And his father says, hey, young people. I never met him before. I didn't know him. I didn't even know he was his father. He steps into the center of the circle with 30-some, 40-some young people and said, let me ask you a question. Hey, how come you're here? Why are you here? And they said, well, we're here for the hot chocolate from the cider. Well, how did you get here? Well, we got here from invitation. And who invited you? And the young man standing behind his father began to cry. And one by one, they said, it was Tyler. Tyler invited us. And the father said, then why are you making fun of him? For tonight, you have an opportunity to meet the very Jesus that created him. So you could sit here and judge all you want, my son. But as far as my son, come here, boy. I'm proud of you. Because you invited 32. That is the love of a father. So I'm asking you, I'm going to pray for you. Pastor Bernie, thanks for letting me come. I'm glad God gave me back my Wednesday nights right now. But I sure miss Tyler's. That youth group started with one person. Tonight is there see you at the party, like we're having probably with our youth ministry here. We went from one person in seven and a half months, they ran 40 young people last week because of one kid starting to invite people. Father, I'm asking you tonight in the name of Jesus. God, whether we trust you, whether we've negated our time with you, whether we've run from you, whether we questioned you, Father, I know you love us. Father, there's times where we don't reciprocate. There's times where we don't even spend time with you, but somehow you still love us. God, there's times where we don't even say we thank you. We don't even pray over our own meals. God, there's times where we don't actually exalt you. God, there's so many times we're too busy for you, but somehow you still are there to hear us when we have a problem. Father, you hear us cry out to you. You hear us beg you. You hear us ask you. And all you want us to do is say, Father, I acknowledge you. So, Father, I pray that our hearts will leave this place tonight knowing that the love of the Father has never stopped loving us. And He sees us from afar, and He sees us up close. He sees our coming and our going. The Bible says He sees our rising and our setting. He sees every flaw that you have, but He says, I'm the mender of the flaws. I see your sickness and disease. I'm the healer of your sickness and disease. I hear you're troublesome. I hear your vulgar tongue at times. I hear how you curse me, but I know you still love me, but I'm still here. Call upon my name because I'm still going to love you through any of your storms. Bless us, God, as we leave. Bless us that we will have the tongue to praise, the tongue to exalt, the tongue to thank you, the tongue to move off. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In Christ's name, bless this body. Amen.